We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Empire. Triple Play Fantasy's football show with D. Mindy, Brastadamus, Doc, and Johnny Foosball starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. We are a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. D. Mendy here, joined as always by Johnny Foosball, John Bennett. John, if I were to call you Marcel Aitman of the Triple Play Fantasy team, would you consider that an insult or a compliment? <laughs> That makes it seem like I'm on and off the the roster of the show sheet an awful lot. That man has been cut and re-signed, cut and re-signed, cut and re-signed. <laughs> hey, man, we, we view you as a valuable piece which we keep bringing you back on shows. So but, so you're saying you're, you, you're just inches away from cutting me now. <laughs> no, I never said that. That was your words, not mine. But uh, happy to have you back, of course, on the show as always. Of course, also joined by another man, the kickball champion, but... If they put the shift on, wouldn't get any more hits. It's the doc, Eric Mendelson. What's going on? Uh, you're just mad that I played better at kickball than you. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> David dropped constantly... an easy fly ball. <laughs> no, we're not even getting into that. We're not even getting into that. It's a whole discussion. <laughs> the whole discussion. You throwing me off trying to catch the ball, but no Brad Stradamus tonight. But we upgraded and brought somebody even better. We welcome in a man with the best cartoon Avi in the game. <laughs> <laughs> the co-founder and lead analyst of Full Tilt Fantasy, the co-host of the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast, the lead analyst of Roto Underworld. This up-and-coming law school student will blow your mind with his background in economics and offers an extremely unique market-based approach to fantasy football. The man that loves his Colts and is going through a quarterback crisis for the first time in his life. A man that is a conductor of the A.J. Brown freight train. A man. That is a passion for scouting where they focus on modeling analytics and identifying under the radar wow. players and prospects. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome in the sneaky athletic beta blocker and someone who wants you to run the damn ball. It is Mr. Sanderson, Jacob Sanderson. What's going oh on, my. man? That is the most, that is the longest intro I've ever got to apply in my life. Holy crap. That is, uh, that's some impressive stuff. Thank you, David. Holy Dude, man, you got an impressive resume, if I do yeah. say so myself. And breaking news today, you are now the lead analyst over at Roto Underworld, man. You deserve it. I've seen all your work. You do great stuff. Uh, what was it like when you got the uh, the call, the email, the text, whatever it was? What were your thoughts going in your mind? Dan, that was fun, man. I mean, like le less than a year ago, I was just a dude playing fantasy, you know, listening to podcasts like this one. And, and of course, listening to Matt and Nate do their great work over at Roto Underworld. And 
Uh, it's been fun writing for them. It's been fun working with them and sort of working our way up to uh, to being a lead analyst over there is super, super exciting. I'm pumped to, to bring more and more content out there at Player Profiler. And, you know, right now I'm just pumped to be talking to AFC West uh, with three fine folks here tonight. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, I have to have to ask you, it says in your profile that you sing karaoke. Oh now, gosh. did you bring your mic? Do you want to sing to us before we get started in the show? What's yeah, the go-to a- song? My go-to song at karaoke is definitely Mr. Brightside by The Killers. It's definitely okay. not going to be sang tonight, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's a go-to for sure. My mic tonight is going to be strictly used for talking football and whatever else comes up. <laughs> All right, I can dig it. I can dig it. Emphasis well, on talking. <laughs> oh, no, I thought you were going to sing that analysis. Uh, <laughs> but we've got a packed show with the AFC West preview. The triple play fantasy division previews are here, and they're spectacular. And we're going to go over all eight divisions in the NFL, our second to last one tonight being the AFC West. We're going to be looking at the rising and falling stars, rookie impacts, players to keep a sharp eye on at the end of your drafts, and, of course, much more. Make sure to stay tuned for all that. After we're going to go to our question of the week, which quarterback in the league tips the most for haircuts? And as always, we have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it! So we got some news and notes we'll just touch on real quick before we jump into the AFC West here. The first bit of news here, the Cardinals running back competition might not be a competition after all, according to Adam H. Beasley of Pro Football Network, as he writes, the battle for running back may be Chase Edmonds' job to lose as he's expected to earn the starting gig. So, Jake, I'm going to ask you, is it a one and two with him and James Conner or is it a one A and one B? What do you think? Uh, I think it's a one and two. I really do. Uh, Look, James Conner, guys, he's not very good. Like, I'm sorry, but he's not. Uh, He was a mid-round pick coming out of the NFL draft, I believe he was a supplementary third round pick. So practically a fourth round pick. Uh, He had one very solid season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But in my opinion, he's what I like to call a competent plotter, which is one of several running backs who's capable enough in all phases of the game that if you give him a ton of work, he's going to be great for fantasy. But I don't see him as a guy who adds a ton of value. And the NFL agreed. He signed for less money in less years at a later time than Devontae freaking Booker to be the backup for Saquon Barkley. Right, he got a one-year, one-point-eight million-dollar contract. He got less than Marlon Mack off a torn Achilles. So, to me, the idea that he was going to come in and be the starter in Arizona is pretty ridiculous. Uh, I think it's it is Chase Edmonds' job to lose. I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced on Chase Edmonds. He was a really efficient running back last year, but he faced like nobody in the box. If if you look at his stacked uh, box rates, he had one of the clearest runways every time he touched the ball. And he was a guy who didn't necessarily add a lot per touch when you look at things like yards created, when you look at things like juke rate. So I'm, I'm not totally sold yet on Edmonds. And I think that Connor's a good insurance policy, but I think that's what he is. I think Edmonds is the more explosive player. He's the way better pass catcher and he's the running back to own in Arizona. Doc, I'll go to you next real quick, because I think there's some valid points Jacob brought up. You're the Chase Edmonds truther. You've been screaming Chase Edmonds since. But, uh, okay, was- can we stop saying people are truthers? Oh, yeah, no, no, I have been a fan of someone. It's absurd. You can just say he's a fan of Chase Edmonds. I don't know when this <laughs> that's true. No, because that's, because that's underselling. Dialogue, that is underselling no how much my favorite is, I have been. My favorite is the truther for, like, elite players. It's like, man, the JT truthers are going to be upset if he isn't a top three back this year. It's like, who needs to be a truther for Jonathan Taylor? Like, who are the Jonathan <laughs> Taylor falsers? Like, everyone knows he's good. There needs to be a route. Jonathan Taylor fans. <laughs> 
So uh, my thought my thought about Chase Edmonds is I don't think it's a clear one two just because I don't think Chase Edmonds can be the lead back. I think it's going to be a very pass heavy offense. I think that's why the Cardinals invested in AJ Green. They kept Christian Kirk. They of course have DeAndre Hopkins. I think Chase Rondell Moore. Baby. Rondell Rondell Moore. Moore. I think Chase Edmonds will probably get in that 17 to 18 touch per game rather than that 13 to 14 that he's been getting. But I think that they're going to use Connor as the short yardage and goal line back. Chase Edmonds is also a free agent after this season, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals kind of did use him a little bit more if they don't intend on re-signing him. I just don't think his body of work can keep up with being a lead back, and I think the Cardinals know that too. Unless he plays in New York. The games against New York, he always goes off. Those yeah, just- you know what? If you go to his Instagram, he puts it as home. Does he really? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Sample size n equals one. I think on the, on that's hilarious. <laughs> oh my, I love that. Um, so there's also some other news that's not necessarily impacting fantasy that we'll touch on real quick. In light of the Barcavius Mingo arrests on the charge of stuff, I don't even really want to read. The Falcons released him. He's going to spend at least 20 years in prison if convicted, so you'll never see him again. There is some news I am interested to hear your guys' thoughts on. Next year loomed to when the Washington football team would unveil its new identity, according to team president Jason Wright. He confirmed the timeline, so this is the last year of the Washington football team, but the team's keeping the burgundy and gold color for next year. Jacob, I'll go back to you. Are you sad to see this go? Do you like the Washington football team, or are you excited to see what they uh, they change it to? Honestly, I I kind of vibe with the football team. Uh, I thought it was so stupid when they announced it. And then I got hooked. I'm not going to lie. The jerseys are slick. They have this old school look, you know, then they kind of have an old school identity, especially like we just had the Euro Cup wrap up. So everybody's kind of in a soccer frame of mind right now. It's that sort of what it reminds me of, right? It's like you see, you know, these all these teams just FC, whatever. So I'm going to miss the football team, but uh, you know, whatever they come up with is definitely going to be an improvement upon what they were uh, two years ago. So I'm excited to see it. John, do you like it? What do you think? Are you uh, do you like this I'm old just school look? Surprised it's still taking them another year. Like, <laughs> I, did I, they must have really had nothing in their back pocket? What now, nah, man? Dan Snyder's dragging his feet. Two you- two whole seasons they lost. They can't even trademark the Washington Football Team if they wanted to. It got rejected. So. This is, I mean, it's just funny. Like, how, how does it take two years to come up with a name? I'll bet you it's going to be underwhelming, too, whatever they do come up with. No, the longer it goes on, the worse the name is going to be in comparison, regardless of what it is. <laughs> That's a good point. I, I am interested to see what happens with it, but at least we have one more year where we get to see this. I I've always think it's like a college football look because, like, they have, like, mm-hmm. uh, just the way it looks like almost like another Alabama kind of. Like with the, the way the helmets look and everything. The best entire defense is from Alabama. So That's I was true. Say, yeah. Yeah. The best thing that came out of it was they like signed a player and it was like so and so is now a football player. And I just <laughs> thought that was that was the best thing to come out of it. I love that. Well, uh, a lot of great stuff with all that stuff. But if you enjoy the content, please make sure you click that subscribe button wherever you find your podcast. And if you want to hear more triple play, great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and basketball show you can check out available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you enjoy the content, hook the boys up with a five-star rating and review. We greatly appreciate it. Check us out on all our social media at Trip Play Fantasy. Of course, our website, TripPlayFantasy.com. You'll see tons of articles, videos, podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel. We really push. Uh, John's part of the half of the movie minutes on this channel here. We've got, of course, like football breakdowns. I've My Jerry Judy's a top 24 wide receiver. 
we'll get to talking about that stuff later on. But remember, if you're looking for a podcast that will make you a lean, mean fantasy fighting machine, I don't think I said that right, because hopefully we're not fighting machines anytime soon. Global warming isn't the biggest threat to our civilization. It's artificial intelligence. So make sure uh, you don't fight. That's a good machines. plug for our movie uh, movie minutes of the Mitchells versus the machines, David. That's, Thank you. See, that's what that's I do, on man. YouTube now. That's what I do. <laughs> what I do. Uh, but if you're watching the live version, we're not going anywhere. If you're on the podcast version, we got to pay our bills. And we're going to jump into the AFC West preview right after this quick break. All right. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Like a leaf on a stone statue of Ron Jeremy, we have a lot to cover. So let's... <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you are so wild. <laughs> let's dive in. <laughs> let's dive in. So let's talk about quarterbacks first. And let's talk about the Broncos quarterbacks. You got Teddy Bridgewater and you got Drew Locke. Teddy Bridgewater was QB 19 at just under 17 points a game. Drew Locke was quarterback 23 at around 15 points per game. We have no idea who's starting in Denver to start the season. They have arguably the Broncos have one of the most talented groups on offense and seem to be just a quarterback away from exploding. Can Drew Locke take that three-year leap? To this point, he's averaged just 6.6 yards per attempt and 23 touchdowns and 18 interceptions in 18 career games. He's quarterback 35 right now getting drafted. Or will it be Teddy Bridgewater? He takes care of the football, distributes to his playmakers quickly, he can keep the offense on pace. He's right now actually going QB 37, two spots behind Drew Locke. So, Jacob, I know this is uh, this is more of a Nostradamus trying to look into the future here, but which quarterback do you think is the week one starter? And do you think there's any fantasy relevance to him? Yeah, I, I think that the fantasy relevance is strictly confined to two QB super flex leagues, no matter who starts. So I, I want to be clear on that. I, I don't see a whole lot of fantasy upside here. And I certainly don't see any fantasy safety here. I think that they would like Drew Locke to be the starter. Uh, I think that that's the guy that they drafted. That's the guy who theoretically has more upside. We have a pretty large sample now of, of Teddy Bridgewater as an NFL starting quarterback going back from Minnesota to the five game stint in uh, New Orleans. And of course, last year he was in Carolina in what, was really quite a good situation for a quarterback to succeed in with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Joe Brady is the OC. And he's just, he is what he is at this point. I think he's a, you know, an average to slightly below average league starter. He can conduct a competent offense, but this isn't a guy who's going to take any team to the next level. You know, he's, he's a, if the term game manager means anything, it, it means Teddy Bridgewater. So I think they would like it to be Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke will get the week one start. I just see this as kind of a scenario. It reminds me almost uh, to Josh Rosen two years ago with the Dolphins where, you know, that was the guy with the theoretical upside, but he just wasn't the guy. And I just don't think Drew Locke's the guy. He was not a particularly accurate or efficient quarterback for most of his college career. 
He was really drafted on behalf of these traits and he just hasn't grown in the NFL. You know, we, we've seen flashes at times that it seems like every time he takes one step forward, the next week he takes two steps back. And while he's stepping back or he's throwing right off of that back foot, uh, usually into double coverage. So I, I just can't with Drew Locke. Uh, this team is set up too well. That's the thing. If this team was bad, if this team had a first year head coach, I could easily see a scenario where they, they make this the, you know, let's just see what happens with Drew Locke this year. Maybe like Philly with Jalen Hurts, right? But this team is loaded, man. I mean, they got, they traded up for a running back, right? That's a win now move. They got two phenomenal wide receivers. They've got a defense that's going to be back to health. And they got Vic Fangio, who in my opinion is coaching for his job. So I just think that the leash is going to be so, so tight on Drew Locke. If he doesn't come out gunning, uh, then Bridgewater is going to be going in right away because at least he's not going to lose them games. Now, do you think, because I saw this actually, J.J. Zacharyson brought this up. Do you think that a certain player is more tied to a quarterback? Like Drew Locke starting means that Cortland Sun's going to get more looks because he's more of a downfield thrower and that Teddy Bridgewater likes those short intermediate routes, which Jerry Judy, of course, winning off the line as much as he does, might get more looks from Bridgewater. Do you think that a quarterback is tied more to a receiver? Yeah, I get that argument. I do. Uh, you know, and I, I can see why people think that a Jerry Judy would be better for Teddy because he's more of that natural separator. But at the end of the day, I, I think that, you know, ultimately it comes more down to the talent of the wide receiver and it comes down to the efficiency of the offense. So I think this offense would be better with Teddy Bridgewater than it would be with Drew Locke. And so thus, I think both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy would be better with Teddy Bridgewater than with Drew Locke. But I, I could see a world in which, uh, you know, Teddy enjoys throwing to the Jerry Judy route tree, you know, more often the Sutton route tree for sure. Okay. I want to touch another quarterback in this division. That's not a sexy name either by any means, if we're talking about unsexy quarterbacks and that's Derek Carr who, uh, he's got the eyeliner. Yeah. Yeah. He's exactly. the eyeliner. <laughs> talking about not sexy. I should say his play. Looks like okay. he cuts his own hair and puts on his own eyeliner. Not oh, yeah. sexy. So he was quarterback 13 around 17 and a half points per game last year, which is actually higher than I think a lot of people thought that he was actually that high. Uh, but over the last two years under John Gruden, he's played 32 games. And in those games, he's delivered quarterback one type performances just 14 times in those 32 games. He lacks upside, but can give you that steady floor as probably a high end QB two, which is great, obviously for the super flex leagues. Uh, so John, can he be more than that? Because right now he's yeah. being drafted as quarterback yeah. 24. Oh, he's way better than quarterback 24. It's like I said before the show, somehow people have forgotten the Raiders went eight and eight and everybody has in their mind that they're a three and 14 team. Look at me already switching to the 17 game season. I'm already wrapped in on that. But what's not to like? He's got Waller still. He's got and you people can say, oh, they changed the wide receivers. He lost Aguilar. He made Aguilar in a sense. If you go back two years ago before Carr helped him break out, people would say John Brown's probably better than Nelson Aguilar. So possible upgrade. You get a possible upgrade in Henry Ruggs getting a full season uh, under his belt finally and being healthy. Brian Edwards can break out. Kenyon Drake just adds versatility out of the backfield uh, for any sort of passing that is, you know, everybody's hate on uh, Josh Jacobs is his pass catching. So now they have a back out of the backfield. And Derek Carr steadily improved every year under John Gruden, much like the team. So I certainly think he's a sort of a low-end QB1. Uh, QB24 is outrageous. So where You're would you rank him? Fan? Yeah. Okay, I can tell. You, you <laughs> love these guys. You're just like Henry Ruggs, Hall of Fame, Kenrin Drake, Charlie Garner, John Gruden, Coach of the don't Year. Don't get him started on Zay Jones. 
did what did what did he lose that makes people think he'll drop eleven spots on the Q- an offensive line? His skill. that offensive line, quote unquote, the magic offensive line that they lost played three whole snaps together. They may have lost a potential production, but that whole offensive line only played three snaps together, so they didn't actually lose too much. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, I love that to feed on them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, I think the Raiders are most likely probably a 500 team. I think that's what most people would expect. Best case scenario. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We're going to talk about those skill position players later on, of course. Doc, while we still have you, why don't you tell us about this Chargers team and Justin Herbert, who was quarterback nine at just under 23 points per game. He broke out his in the rookie season, actually set a rookie record for passing touchdowns with 31 while throwing 595 pass attempts, the fourth most in the league. Again, with all that, he still finished as quarterback nine. He's right now going as quarterback seven. How do you feel about him, Doc? He's, uh, I think he's definitely, I've seen the the Herbie believers. I've seen everybody likes to pump up Justin Herbert. I've, I'm a little bit more down on Herbert that I think consensus are. Where do you stand on Justin Herbert this year? So you you commented on one of my posts that apparently don't get a lot of interaction saying that you think he's going to be outside the top 12. No, I, I, said, I, I said he would be quarterback 11. Okay. Um, I I don't have him outside Such the top 10. Such a bold 10. take by David to pretend, oh, he's outside the top 10 at 11. I mean, that's, that's you got to reel him in. Reel him in. Herbert has an army, man. If you say one bad thing about that guy, like you're going to be canceled. QB 11 is as low as you can go. So, yeah. so here's my thing is, and David brought up a lot of points that he had the fourth most passing attempts. Austin Eckler was injured last year. So I think there was a little bit more reliance on him also with game script as well. I look at the first nine weeks. He started eight of those nine games. He scored over 20 fantasy points. Then you look at the last six weeks, only two out of the six, he scored over 20 points. And one of those was week 17 against Kansas city backups. So I think teams started to have a little bit more film on him. I also look at his rushing upside. He had 234 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, which I think is a little bit of an anomaly considering he never had more than 183 rushing yards in college and figure you're playing against worse athletes. He also had the benefit of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams being healthy. Keenan Allen's been healthy the last couple of years, but him and Mike Williams are both prone to missing some time. So I'm with you. I think in that QB nine to 10 range, I just, I can't have him as high as others do. Jake, I want to go back to you. So it seems like you're kind of on that camp too. Where do you have Justin Herbert ranked? Yeah, I, I have Herbert. I, I believe I have him at QB nine right now. Uh, I'm fine with Herbert for the most part where he goes. He was going ahead of Russell Wilson earlier this season. I thought that was absolutely bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't make any sense to me. I would take Jalen Hurts ahead of him too in a redraft format. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jalen Hurts is probably going to run for like 900 yards if he plays the whole season. Maybe 1,200 yards. Gosh, I don't know. Uh, I don't understand how Herbert's going to make that up with passing. So with Justin Herbert, you know, I view him more in the tier with Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, Tom mm-hmm. Brady, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, if someone thinks that he's the best of that tier, I'm not going to argue with that. But I think that's more where he belongs and not sort of in this middle tier with Dak and Russ Wilson and, and Jalen Hurts. I, I just don't see it. I think that this defense is going to be so much better this year. Uh, they have a lot of talent. They were very injured the last two years. Uh, and I think that's going to be an improvement. You know, the thing that I do think Herbert has going for him is this is an offense that's still probably going to pass the ball at a really high rate, at least on early downs. 
you know, their, their feature running backs, Austin Eckler, or that's not a guy you want to give 20 carries up the gut to. That's a guy you want to use out in space. And I don't really know who else they have that's going to fulfill that early down grinder role. Like Josh Kelly, that guy was total piece of crap last year. You know, Larry Roundtree, like I don't have any takes on Larry Roundtree. So I'll, I'll do, uh, I like Herbert fine, but I think he's more low end QB one. I don't see like the top three upside. For this sake, we're not going to get into the taste. We know that John goes on tangents when we hear the. He's 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 thirty two already or something outrageous. He's like thirty two or thirty four. I don't know how he became a up and comer at that age, but you know. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's like Brandon Whedon all over again. <laughs> oh God, that's a name. Uh, but for going back to Justin Herbert, though, I couldn't agree more with with what you're saying, Jacob. When if I'm on the same page with the lead fantasy analyst for Roto Underworld, I'm doing something <laughs> right. So, uh, I, very many of the same points you said. Also, they have a deep. You all will code. be laughing when he throws for five thousand yards and gets all those Accutane ad money, and you'll be seeing his face every day. Yeah, oh he probably God. he probably will throw for five thousand yards. <laughs> but like Tom Brady last year threw for forty-seven hundred yards and forty touchdowns, and I believe he was the QB eleven in points per game. Yeah. So, like, if, if Herbert doesn't match five rushing touchdowns again, which I don't know, maybe, but I, I don't think that that's something we should be betting on, then I think that's what he is. He's a low-end QB1. I agree with you 100% on that same page. I will – let's bring up real quick uh, – <laughs> he has the best hair in the division. Yeah, he does. He does. I will give him that. He does. Uh, but let's – Patrick Mahomes real quick. He was QB4 last year, only played in 15 games. If he played that 16th game, he would have been QB1. He was also QB one. Oh, he was QB one in points per game, right? He was QB. He was QB one in points per game. Um, I guess this is a important question. Look, Dustin. I mean, I love his hair, and it's very clear last year. If you look at the game splits, right? If you ever go on, you know, one of those RotoViz tools, do the in split, out split, right? When he had the flow. He was QB one. When he took away the flow, he was chucking picks, you know, not rushing for touchdowns. So the flow correlation is real. If he keeps the hair up all year, that's where the top five upside comes from. No, I, I agree. I, I mean, he's growing the hair back out, which is good too. And yeah, Derek yeah, Carr cuts his hair, see. shaves his head. So there's no flow there to go for that. Mm-hmm. Are we, do we have to really analyze Patrick Mahomes? He's probably that's at good. worst. He's, he's a top two quarterback consensus. Uh, yeah. One. I mean, it's, it's, he's right up there with, you know, Geno Smith. I think if, if Geno Smith had Eric Bieniemy, he would be oh my right gosh. there with Patrick Mahomes. They're, they're very much haters on this show because I'm a Chiefs fan, so they're very much wow. to talk about. It's so nice you got a fan of the AFC South in here to come be objective instead of these Raiders fans trying to tear you down. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're linking up together. We're taking down the uh, people that are trying to take our teams down here. Um, so let's talk about some running backs now. And I got to start off here with the Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams backfield. Melvin Gordon was RB14 last year, just over 13 points per game. He's right now going as RB25. Those 16 and a half touches per game we saw last year obviously look like to be a a thing of the past. He's already suspended one game, it looks like, but it could be more for the DUI incident, if I'm not mistaken. The risk is obviously there. Melvin Gordon also only has one year left on his deal, but this is the same coaching staff that brought him in. And they also now brought in Javante Williams, which... Is he taking the Philip Lindsay role? Is he going to win this job? And then Melvin Gordon shifts into the Philip Lindsay role. Jacob, you got to help us out here, man. What are we doing with these two guys? Dude, there's something weird in the water over there with uh, with the Melvin Gordon situation. I mean, every other time you see 
a running back drafted early, you know, other than like, I guess, a Najee Harris situation where there's literally nobody else. But for the most part, if there's a somewhat decent incumbent, right, as soon as the guy gets drafted early, all we hear from the organization is how much they still love the guy they have, how much they support him, how he's going to have a huge season, right? Like they even pretended that with Damian Williams last year before he opted out. They're like, he's going to have a breakout year. But Melvin, it's like, you wouldn't know that Melvin Gordon is a Denver Bronco if you like listen to their beat reports, if you listen to the team. They they just have no time for the guy. It seems like they brought him into big contract last year. He showed up to camp out of shape. He was pretty mediocre last year as a rushing as a running back. Like he was fine, but I don't think he fully lived up to the expectations that they had. He has a DUI issue off the field. George Patton comes in this year, first year as a GM. First thing he does, he signs Mike Boone. First player he signed from his old spot in Minnesota that he signed as a UDFA. Then not only does he take Javante Williams, he trades up to go and get Javante Williams. You know, it's a pretty big statement. The statement says we have no interest in playing Melvin Gordon. So I don't think he's cut because there's a dead cap uh, situation there. But I think that they would be perfectly happy to trade him if they could find the taker. And I think Javante Williams is going to be clearly the lead back. And I think that if they found a situation where Melvin Gordon wasn't a part of their plans and they rolled with Javante, Mike Boone, and Royce Freeman. I, I think that they're pretty content to do that. I, I really don't see that they have a lot of ties to Melvin Gordon right now, personally. Bro, Bro tell us how you about. really feel about him. Dude, the guy the guy's pretty washed. <laughs> I think that's how I feel about him. So someone actually brought up today, I was guesting on a pod earlier, and they said, "What? why can Melvin Gordon not be traded to Atlanta? And I was like, that literally makes so much sense. Like... Him going to Atlanta. I'm not. I don't know their cap situation, or I don't know. Well, it's like, a little but- bit. I don't see the Atlanta one because they had to trade Julio Jones. Well, he wanted the trade too, but like one of the reasons why they traded Julio Jones, I think, is because they were in cap hell. They couldn't even sign their rookies. Uh, they would have to inherit some cap with Melvin. I'm not sure how much, but I can see it. I mean, I think Melvin's best case scenario is on another team for fantasy. Yeah. I agree. I, I think it's only a matter of time. Javante Williams was my favorite prospect coming into this uh, rookie class or this rookie class coming in. I actually liked him more than Najee Harris. He led FBS in broken tackles last year. It wasn't just that game against Miami, which everybody sees. I really like him as a, a prospect, and I think he's going to have that job sooner rather than later. And I think as fantasy season or the drafts have been kind of rolling on later and later, he's getting bumped up slowly and slowly and slowly. In my Scott Fishbowl draft, he went actually the fourth round. So, oh my gosh, yeah, wow. people really are starting. Guys. To- <laughs> guys. People are really bumping him up. So by August, we might even have more clarity on that situation. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Doc, I'm going to go to you next. Let's talk about the Chargers here. Let's talk about Austin Eckler. Of course, <clears throat> we're an Austin Eckler podcast, friend of the show. Uh, I can still do more pull-ups than him, but um, Austin Eckler, he's back. He's healthy. He said as so on the show he was healthy. You have Austin Eckler, who's RB26, but he was RB11 in points per game, 16 and a half. And in eight full games with Justin Herbert under center last year, Eckler saw 63 targets, which at least for 16 games would have been 126 targets, so over 17. That's going to be over 130 targets for the season. That puts him in the CMC and Alvin Kamara type of class as far as pass catchers out of the backfield are concerned. If he gets anywhere near 200 carries, could he be a high-end RB1 in PPR formats? Doc, what do you think about our guy Eckler? Where should he be going? So last season, Austin Eckler played 10 games, amazingly came back quicker from that torn quad than expected. He had 170 touches in those 10 games, averaging about 17 a game. I'd expect closer to that 2019 when Melvin Gordon was out the first four games when he averaged close to 20 uh, touches per game. So figure... 
maybe 14 carries, six or seven receptions. He is in the second year of a four-year extension he signed, so I don't think they're going to give him a bell cow role. We had mentioned Joshua Kelly's butt, and he is, but he also got 111 carries last year, and if Justin Jackson stays on the team, he had 59 carries last year, averaging 4.6 yards per carry. I don't think it's a Saquon Barkley situation where it's he's the clear-cut every down back, but I do think he's going to have a lot of touches through the air, through the ground, certainly helping his role in PPR. Yeah, I mean, he's a very he's a PPR darling. I, I'm keeping an eye on Larry Roundtree. I think he's he could be someone sneaky. Uh, jo- uh, Justin Jackson, they said, might not even make the roster, and we saw what Joshua Kelly did last year. Uh, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that, but Austin Eckler, very much a slam dunk in PPR formats probably in the top 10 in most people's PPR rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny, let's talk about the Raiders. Let's talk about Josh Jacobs. Let's talk about Kenyon Drake, who Josh Jacobs was RB8 last year at 15.4 points per game. And Kenyon Drake was RB16 at 12.8 points per game. Again, this is PPR formats. The Raiders decided to pay Kenyon Drake a good chunk of money to come in and share the workload with Jacobs, forcing his fantasy stock to somewhat plummet. Seems like he's available in some fifth and sixth rounds and some drafts that I've been seeing. Uh, now there's Drake has been called essentially the same running back. They both don't seem to produce too much in the passing game. Very much ball carriers. You have to think Jalen Richard might factor in there as the third down pass catcher potentially. Um, I'm, what do you feel about this? Is a lot of confusion with this backfield right now. Um, do you avoid it if you're drafting? No, I think it's it's not. To make a, a strong comparison, it's a little bit of a, a Chubb Hunt light combination where at the worst you get a good uh second piece and a good and a good handcuff. I mean, I do think for Jacobs it's gonna be a less is more situation. He'll get less touches, but as the season wore on and as the game wears on, he gets less and less effective because he had such a large amount of touches. So I think it's a less is more where it sort of balances out the lack of touches where he's more efficient in the touches he does get. Kenyon Drake. I'm hearing he's going to be a threat in the passing game. He's saying he might go out wide sometimes. So check your facts, David, on that one. And then Jalen Richard is, is going to be a non-factor. That's that's very clearly why they brought Kenyon Drake in, to have an actual backup uh, to share the workload. And I really think a lot of people, again, we already touched on the offensive line, are worried about it. But like I said, they only played three snaps together, this magical offensive line that everybody thinks the Raiders uh, demolished. So. They loaded up on Leatherwood, who, if you think he's a bad pick, you think he's a bad pick, but he did grade out to be a good run blocker. So he's got that going for him, and Jacobs has that going for him. Jalen Richard could also be suspended for a game because he's an anti-vaxxer, so if he doesn't comply. that's I, He is. He is an anti-vaxxer. Jalen Richard's like an anti-touching the football field this year. He's a non-entity. <laughs> not going to happen. I don't exactly. even know why we're talking about Jalen Richard. But I don't know. I I mean, my issue is the difference between Chubb and Hunt and, and Jacobs Drake is that, first of all, Chubb and Hunt are exceptionally great at football, uh, and Jacobs and Drake are not that. Uh, I think <laughs> Jacobs is fine, but like he was an overdrafted prospect coming out of Alabama. He was a split backfield guy, didn't put up incredible stats at Alabama, didn't put up, inc- I don't know, like there's this narrative where film guys for like this guy can run some real crisp routes, so he's this pass down wonder kind. He didn't like produce much as a pass catcher in college. I don't really know where that narrative came from, but it has, has certainly has not manifested in the NFL other than one extremely magical game against the Carolina Panthers in week one last year when it looked like he was going to be the RB1 overall. 
I I think Jacobs is fine. I think he's gotten to the point now where his value is actually what it should be. Uh, I usually avoid running backs like Jacobs, you know, the competent plotter category as a guy who runs a four, six, nine, but he's going now in round five, round six. I think that's fine. I think he gives you a totally fine floor. Devontae Booker got more touches than people seem to remember last year. And Kenyon Drake could have a meaningful role by pretty much just walking into the Devontae Booker role with maybe a little bit more pass catching. I'm certainly not a Drake guy. He creates nothing. Like he has some juice. And if you give him a free lane to run, he can do it. But in terms of a guy who's creating yardage on his own, especially for a team that's going to have a pretty inexperienced offensive line. God, I I don't understand. It's good the fantasy points then are not for yards created on your own. Well, that's true. I just say I don't think he's very good at football. Like people, like I, I don't think Josh. You, like, you don't seem to think anybody's very good at football. I'm going to be on the Raiders. This is one of the more <laughs> negative takes I've seen. A team that went eight and eight doesn't have any good football players. You know, it's it's a natural reaction. There's no. Yeah, good they had football. Nelson Aguilar. He's a great football player. He's for the Patriots now. I think no. I think he Josh wasn't great. Was he wasn't great until last year. I think Josh Jacobs is fine. Like, I don't think he's exceptional, but I think he's a totally fine running back. I think he's a good between the tackles running back. I don't think Kenyon Drake is. I, I also don't really think he's that great in the passing game, but the Raiders do. So if the Raiders want to use him that way, then then he's going to get used that way. I want to talk about a, a running back that's been kind of polarizing. The last one in this division, that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, I have a spiel. I already made a thread about him. Uh, we I'm trying to make sure we don't go over too much time here, so... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think, will be a top 10 PPR back. His, he's been getting inflated a bunch in fantasy circles now. I think he was disrespected a little bit earlier this offseason. Uh, it's been shown that, according to ESPN Analytics Index, that the Chiefs' offensive line had a 67% offensive, blocking run, uh, offensive run block win rate, which was 31st in the NFL. People point that he couldn't score from in close inside the five. He was two out of 10 inside the five, but the rest of the running backs combined were one out of six. Um, so it's not really uh, a Clyde Edwards-Alaire problem as far as him not getting in the end zone. They added Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, who's been one of the best guards in the NFL, Kyle Long, Creed Humphrey they drafted out of Oklahoma, Austin Blythe, who was the center for the Rams last year, the starting center. They're getting back Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and Lucas Niang, both offensive linemen, good offensive linemen that didn't play last year. So they have a whole new offensive line that's going to contribute. Andy Reid's history of running backs, he's had a top 24 PPR running back in 13 of the 17 last 17 seasons that he's coached uh, the steel, the floor is there, the there, excuse me. And uh, the last thing I'll point out before Le'Veon Bell joined the fold, he was averaging 18 carries a game, five targets and 110 yards per game. Those numbers plummeted when Bell joined, but as far as touches went, he only trailed Mixon, Zeke and Derrick Henry with more touches than him the first six weeks of the year. Elijah McGuire and Jarek McKinnon are the only do running back additions there. So I do think some positive regression in the touchdown department. I think he's going to be used more in the receiving game this year. He has a full normal offseason to process the complicated playbook. That is Andy Reid's playbook. I do think that he is going to make a leap this year. Top 10 PPR back. And can you call it regression if it's just the second data point, David, of, of two season career? Is it regressing to anything if he's just got one data point i guess it's like a weird term to, or a weird bad way to put it but I, I do think that the touchdowns with the amount of times he was given the ball inside the 10 he's not going to convert two out of 10 this year if he gets 10 touches inside the five i would expect that maybe i'm, that I'm not saying i disagree with you but i just love how we run with our own narratives where one player could only score a touchdown twice out of 10 touches and he could be a bad running back 
but this guy that I like, he's going to regress and do better next year. Well, I just, I'm not I saying think, I don't think, any running, I don't think like that red zone conversion rate is like a particularly good reason to ever say someone's a bad running back, right? Like Nick Chubb two years ago was like the worst goal to go back in the entire NFL. And he mm-hmm. might be the best running back in the entire NFL. Yeah. And I think it's all comes down to the narrative of like, Hey, do you think that the, the team is going to be like, Hey, they're not converting. We're going to punch it in with somebody else. Like that. Right. They're going to big Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> he was the only one. That, I mean, he was the only one that scored last year, but the rest of them were one out of six. So like it's an offensive line problem. They, uh, RGM really fixed that. Um, it's, it's something that, uh, was needed to be addressed and it was addressed. So I, I do think he's going to take a, a leap. I have him it's, only behind Jonathan Taylor's terms of second year running backs this year. It, it's so, going to go to the oh, always man. healthy Tariq McKinnon. No, because no. <laughs> I have him over, I have him over cam and Swift. That's and okay. Swift is fine. I, I have Swift higher, but I think they have him like virtually tied over cam is absolutely redonkulous to me. I mean, yeah, <laughs> both of them are going to be in, in high octane offenses, right? I, I'm sure I would obviously I'd take the chiefs office over the Rams, but I think that they're both going to be top five offenses this year, or at least top 10. And one of those teams actually likes running the ball uh, and the other doesn't. Like the Rams, every single year except for 2019, the Rams have been one of the top 10 uh, rushing teams in the NFL since Sean McVay got there. The Chiefs, they don't need anything dynamic in the run game. Like they they have – the offense runs through Hill, it runs through Kelsey. I like Clyde this year. I think he has a really good shot at being an RB1. Uh, I think he's a better player than most people think, so I'm not trying to be as negative as I was in the previous segment. <laughs> but once he said he's going to be behind Cam Akers, now, now I've lost the plot. Uh, you know, Cam Akers had a more impressive receiving profile overall in college uh, in terms of his market share than even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did, you know, who got his gross numbers really boosted because they threw at a ridiculous rate at LSU that final year. But Cam Akers is, is a totally competent receiving back. They both struggled in pass blocking last year. But Cam also comes in with, you know, a lot of juice. He's a four four seven guy, elite speed score, and he's quite big. He has the bell cow size. Clyde edwards Solaire can be profiled as a satellite, satellite back plus. I think that's totally fine in this offense because he can be a guy who takes on 14, 15 carries, add in five targets. He's probably going to be efficient in this offense. I think he could be quite good as a low-end RB1, but not a chance in hell I would take him over Cam Akers, who, in my opinion, has just far higher upside as a true bell cow profile. Jacob, let's make a bet on air. Whoever finishes higher in PPR, they have to play a minimum of, let's say, 12 games. Sure. Uh, the other person gets to choose their profile picture of the other for two weeks. For two weeks? Oh, my gosh. Uh, this, this is, this is funny. Cause I think I have Cam Akers involved in pretty much all of my bets. So, uh, sure. I I'm in for that. I'm in for that. All right. Daryl Williams coming or uh, Daryl Henderson come and win that job. Yeah. It, depends, it, it all depends on which Daryl, uh, ends up getting more touches. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Yeah. The same name. That's actually pretty funny. Uh, let's quickly touch the pass catchers. I want to just go to the Raiders first, John, because there's not much to talk about outside of Darren Waller. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Waller was the tight end two last year at 17.4 points per game. Scored nine touchdowns last year after uh, three in 2019. Um, same offense. The one thing I will point out is the Raiders led the NFL in tight end percentage of targets. Is he still your firm tight end two behind Kelsey? Easily, yeah. And he's certainly the number one option there. And uh, I think you underrate Ruggs a little bit, David. You remember him from the Chiefs game. I'm just saying, you know, he's shown flashes. He has a full offseason. Do you uh, I think David, you under, underrate David him at watches, your own peril? David watches Henry Ruggs every time he watches a Chiefs game with Nicole Hardman. That's true. Yeah, it's like a carbon copy. The same of guy. 
Um, John, is there anybody worth rostering outside Darren Waller in terms of you're going to draft and make sure you get a bunch of them? Henry Ruggs. He, he's literally uh, just had an inter- Derek Carr just had an interview where he said something clicked. And Derek Carr is a quarterback who has been known to lock in on his uh, receivers. Aguilar a little bit last year, obviously Waller uh, last year. But if he starts to like him and he starts to feel confident, he's going to be throwing in passes. And he has shown he can catch it. I mean, the Jets may have made an awful call, but he still had to beat his man. <laughs> That's true. Congratulations, Henry Ruggs. You were able to catch a wide open 40-yard bomb on a night. He still had to beat his man is what I'm saying. It's it's not, Players don't quit games. The coaching may have, but the player, the cornerback <laughs> across from him, was still trying to play defense. Stop. That's, true. That's still a sensitive subject. Some of us lost bets because of that. <laughs> <laughs> you bet on the Jets? No, I bet on the, the over-under. Okay. Oh man! I was like, if you bet on the Jets, that is a you problem. <laughs> nah, uh, Doc, it was a trap game, though. Doc, let's go to you. Keenan Allen, wide receiver, thirteen last year, around seventeen and a half points per game. He was fifth in the NFL in targets. He seems to be locked in with Justin Herbert. He was his go-to receiver, targeting him ten separate times, ten or more targets. Um, do you have him sneaking in the wide receiver one conversation, or is he a high-end safe floor, high-end wide receiver two? And what do you think about Mike Williams? Is Mike Williams worth this hype that everybody's talking about right now? So Keenan Allen, I think, is a low-end wide receiver one just because of the volume that he's going to be getting. When Keenan Never Allen had more than eight touchdowns in a season. Yeah, I mean, eight touchdowns is better than DJ Moore's four that he gets. That's true. <laughs> so I, I think Keenan Allen, you lock in as a low-end wide receiver one because of the volume he'll get. Mike Williams is interesting because he actually played 15 games last year and had 85 targets, so... Not a really impressive target share. Hunter Henry actually had more targets with 93, playing only 12 games. So that's those 93 targets are going to be vacant. Now, Jared Cook is coming in. I think he's more of a red zone threat. The past two years, 13.8 and 11.7% of his catches have been touchdowns. I think a name to watch is Jalen Guyton. He had 55 targets, which was third amongst the wide receivers on that team. And if Mike Williams or Keenan Allen miss some time, he moves into that wide receiver two role and what we think could be a pass at the offense. All right. I like it. The X receiver, Mike Williams, as everybody's oh, calling gosh. him now. <laughs> yeah. It's like people just learned what X receiver means. I don't, I don't understand. Like, yeah, he's been playing X the whole time. Like that hasn't changed. <laughs> I Okay. This is the last negative take I'll have. And then I promise I'm only going to spew positivity. Like Mike Williams, his ADP rise absolutely blows my mind. I don't understand. This guy is, has not been a volume uh, receiver at any point in his career since coming into the NFL. Uh, you know, he's mostly looked like a bust. Last year, he had legitimately four good games uh, for fantasy, and two of those came Bro, it's a highlight reel. Yeah, Literally and two- people, people put his highlight reel on Twitter. Others retweet it. They get really hyped up, and they don't look at the stats. They just look at these amazing catches. That's why his ADP is going up. Right. And and they aren't like his good games aren't actually that great. It's just it's just like he catches his usual well, his usual passes caught are like three, but then sometimes he gets four or five. And then sometimes one of them is a long touchdown and it looks cool. And two of those four games was when Keenan Allen was hurt. So he was in the same offense last year with Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, and Justin Herbert had a fantastic season that we all agreed he might even regress from. Of course, it's year two, so I guess we can't say regress, but he <laughs> might right. be worse then. Uh, and you know, and Mike Williams was mostly bad, so I think that he's going to be mostly bad again this year. Uh, I was fine with him when he was, you know, being drafted around nine ten. It's being like 
he's being shot up into round seven now and in best ball drafts i'm not about that life i would much rather have tyler boyd i'd rather have curtis samuel i'd rather have antonio brown to be quite honest uh and you know keenan allen he rocks so nothing but positive things say about keenan allen and by the way uh just so i can say something positive about a raider i just want to say quickly i absolutely love brian edwards uh fantastic prospect uh i personally am far more into brian edwards than i am into henry ruggs which i know is like the classic nerd take uh so i'm in lockstep there uh with the rest of my people but i, I think brian edwards has the potential to have a, a really good season with the raiders for pretty much you know similar reasons really to the henry ruggs case which is that other than waller there's no one there who you can fully count on i like it well i have john and taylor ranked as my rb11 just so you know Outside the top ten is what David. No, no, I was, I was just thinking I could get him. I actually don't. I was just trying to see if I could get him to say something naked. You know what? It's just like, I think it's good for every analyst to be egregiously wrong sometimes, so they can learn more from their mistakes. (laughs) No, I love it. I would, I would never rank him that low. I don't have my rankings in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I have him like right around the top, like in the five-ish range there. Um, So, I'll talk about the Chiefs real quick, and then I, I think the Broncos are the most interesting in this division to talk about here. So the chiefs, I feel like Tyree kills Tyree kill. Most people in redraft don't have, regardless of format. I don't think have him lower than two. Is that fair to say he's a beast? Travis Kelsey. He's just got to stay away from his own child and a pregnant <laughs> ex-girlfriend. God, the hate is then he's in the clear, David. Then he's in the clear. Mahomes needs to do like Brady with AB and just have Tyree kill live at his house away from, yeah. you know, possibilities for felonies. He does. He does. Um, yeah, obviously Tyree killed 10 plus targets in seven different games. He's a beast. You got Travis Kelsey, tight end one by 34 points, and he actually missed a game last year too. So, you know, both studs. Miko Hardman, I think is kind of interesting. He was the wide receiver 61 last year. He's seen fewer than five targets in 11 of 16 games last year. Sammy Watkins is gone. People think he's going to step in. I'm not too sure about that. I'm not a Miko Hardman guy. Oh, thank to God. Be honest. I, I think the name to watch actually is Byron Pringle. And I think he's the one that's going to, they just signed a restricted uh, free agent tender. It's not like a ton of money, but $2.1 million for a guy that's pretty much a special teamer. I do think they, they see something in him. He's a very trusted uh, target of Mahomes. He threw him on a lot of third downs. And he's somebody that I think uh, with Nicole Hardman not getting the trust of Mahomes, Mahomes pretty much called him out in the Super Bowl without using his name. <laughs> I think that that chemistry isn't there. So David Pringle is the name to watch. I think you missed something in the news and notes about Frank Clark, though. <laughs> Should we go yes. back to that segment? Yes. Uh, Thank I'll you. Bring it up I next knew time. that David missed it. I will bring it up next time. Yeah. Oh, Frank Clark looks like he's a POS, but we'll talk that at another Oh, we've time. been saying that. We've, we've oh, been no. new. We've I been never, new. Couldn't I ever say he wasn't? Wait, I mean, wait. A there's a Chiefs player who wasn't really all that moral? <laughs> no, whenever we <laughs> would bring this up, David, when nobody says anything about the Chiefs organization. They seeing what I deal with on a weekly basis. David, David would say, all these other teams employ people like this. Why are the Chiefs anything special? Okay, well, let's, let's talk about the Broncos real quick because we're on We got to get rid of the Super Fantasy Bros are going on in 15 minutes. So let's talk about Corlin Sutton. Let's talk about Jerry Judy and Noah Fant. Sutton obviously only played one game. Jerry Judy, an up and down rookie season. I'm not going to read all the stuff I wrote about him. Noah Fant, tight end nine last year. Jacob, what do you see from these guys in the passing game next year? Gosh, I, I really wish that the Broncos would just get a freaking quarterback. Uh, it, it aggravates me so much. Every year they just keep drafting more wide receivers that I love. They, they have more now than they can even play on the field at one time. 
it's, it's pretty absurd. You know, they already, it's not like they just have Sutton and Judy and Fant. You know, they even have KJ Hamler, who's a rookie I really liked coming out. Uh, they went and got Seth Williams late this year, who I had as a sleeper going into the draft. And no one can throw any of these guys the ball. So that's pretty frustrating. I think I like Sutton the best. Um, he's the guy where I think he requires volume to succeed the least just because he can deliver those splash plays down the field. Uh, and so in a, in an offense where I think it's going to be pretty hard to establish more than a target share in the low twenties, just because of him and Judy and Fant all earning a lot of targets. I'm probably most intrigued by Sutton Judy. I mean, I think he got a bad rap his rookie year. Uh, people act like he was awful. He wasn't awful. It was just an incredible rookie class. Uh, coming in and, and Jerry Judy was actually pretty productive. He dropped a lot of balls, whatever. Anyone who watched him play college knew that the guy holds his hands like a complete whack job. Like he, the guy was always going to drop a lot of balls. He like does all sorts of weird machinations, <laughs> uh, but he still gets hope and he still separates. He's still productive. He's probably going to keep dropping balls uh, and he's probably going to be pretty good anyways. I like Sutton a little more just, you know, we sort of got a, a chance to see each of them operate as the clear wide receiver one in this offense the last two years. Uh, Sutton really crowded out the volume in a, in a more impressive way to me than Jerry Judy did. So I think Sutton's the 1A and Judy's the 1B. But if Judy takes a big step forward, it wouldn't totally surprise me to see that the other way. I absolutely love Noah Fant, one of my favorite tight end prospects this decade, uh, and or in the last 10 years, I should say. This decade's like one year old. Uh, but <laughs> I, I really love Noah Fant. Uh, I don't know how, how he's going to see more than like 80 to 90 targets in this offense, especially with other ancillary pieces probably working their way in. But, you know, he's a guy at tight end. He's one of the few at tight end that can actually give you like a 40-yard touchdown, right? So Noah Fant's a guy, even if unlimited volume. I, I would still take Noah Fant over Tyler Higby, who's going ahead of him uh, mm -hmm. in best ball right now. I think Fant's much closer to Goddard than their ADPs indicate. Um, I, I think Fant can do a lot with a little, so I'm, I'm still into him this year. Top seven tight end, top six that you feel comfortable with that for him? Yeah, I'll give him, I'll go seven. Uh, you know, I think there's the clear top five. Uh, and then, well, I guess top six. Some people like Mark Andrews. I kind of don't, but whatever. Yeah, I, don't um, I think, I think Fant and, and Andrews and Goddard to me form kind of the third tier of tight ends. I don't understand why people are drafting Tyler Higby. I, I don't understand why they did it last year. They're doing it again. Um, I don't know. He doesn't exist to me, but uh, with his kind of moral character, actually, he should probably wind up on the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> oh Woo! no! Woo! You're not supposed to be taking shots at my Chiefs. I get enough. <laughs> well, I feel bad for Johnny. I've been beating up on the Raiders. Like the, the, you know, the difference between the Chiefs and the Raiders. I guess there's two, right? One is Johnny's like, "What do you mean we have bad players? You went eight and eight. That's pretty good." Whereas you know the Chiefs get upset when they lose in the Super Bowl. And then the other difference, of course, is that the Chiefs just employ like a team full of felons. So. The, well, the Chiefs employ what people think the Raiders did in the 90s. It's it's absurd. We kick off the people like Kareem Hunt, so we have some morals. Oh, so, kick yeah, once, off. once the video wow. comes out, once the video fun, yeah. comes I'm, out. <laughs> look, we we Frank the Clark Chiefs or the Jailblazers of the early 2000s. Oh, that's a good reference. <laughs> uh, I mean, at right, least well, they have like some solid coaching around to you know to really make sure right, everybody we, uh, we is on I've had enough of hearing you two talk about my favorite team. So let's transition to our question of the week, which is, of course, sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Oh, yeah. Monkey Knife Fight is the official affiliate truth. Or it, Monkey Knife Fight is the... God, look at me. I can't even talk. You guys have got me all flustered now. Triple Play Fantasy is now an official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. 
Use promo code Triple Play and get up to $50 of your deposit match when you become a new user and you use that code. Our question this week, which quarterback in the league tips the most for their haircuts? So these are this is a Brad question. So Jacob, you're the guest. I'll go to you unless you don't have one in mind, and then I'll go to one of them first. I have to guess which NFL player tips the most for their haircuts. Which which one do you think would tip the most for their haircut? Oh man. Is it quarterback or um, is it player? It's quarterback. So okay. limit, which limit quarterback? Player. Okay. I'm I'm glad that we at least uh brought it down a little bit. I'm trying to think of like who has a real dope fade going. Um you know what? Uh, I think hmm. I'll say this. I, I think it's got to be someone with a little bit of a high-maintenance look, right? So I think people are going to gravitate to a guy like a Trevor Lawrence or someone who's got the flow. But as someone who doesn't cut myself, it. that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to trim that much. Like, there's a lot less work going on. So I, I think, like, Trey Lance is one that I'm thinking of just off the top of my head because he's got he the fade bang, going though. up here. And then he's got it, like, popped up here. I think, like, there's a little bit more at play there. So that's that's the thing I guess. I'm sure there's way better answers out there that people. David, can... I'm I'm going Patrick Mahomes because it's sort of becoming his his signature, and uh, he also has to make up for the moral failings of the rest of the team. So he's doing that <laughs> bit by bit by tipping large at the barbershop. Are we gonna ever escape this? Probably not. Uh, I don't I'll know. Throw... Maybe if you ran your team right. <laughs> I'll throw it out there. I think Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think gets the most Jalen Hurts. You see the Ooh. stuff that he, like the patterns he gets in his hair. Oh, that's he's, true. He's, he's swagged out, but these people are on rookie contracts. You got to think of someone that's already made yeah. bang. Lay off our Chiefs, John. Jesus. No, man. I I used to work as a, a golf club and washer at a at a couple of golf clubs. When I worked at the like ritziest one in the city, nobody fucking tipped at all. Whereas when I was working at like a middle class club, that's when everybody was giving you the tips. I think once these people get rich, all of a sudden they got no more time left for their hairdressers. I think the rookie contract people, they're they're still a member of the common people. You know, they still relate to the hairdressers. They know what's up. Yeah, so that makes my answer even better. Jay, I, Eric, it, do, you have, do, you have, do you have a better one than Jalen Hurts? I, you know, I don't know if I have a better one. I just, the first person that came to me was Matthew Stafford. Like, used to what? have really long hair. What? Now it's shorter. Yeah, it's like he goes would... to super cuts. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, got, he's got the flow down. He's a very charitable guy. He's going to a new city, so he probably wants to impress. I don't know. I just think Matthew Stafford is a good tipper. Uh, I wish we went to me last. I, but... I think Matthew Stafford actually probably does tip a lot because if he goes to get a haircut with his wife, his wife's going to refuse to put the mask on when she enters. She's going to cause a big kerfuffle. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Matthew, he's more of an amiable guy. So he's going to come in. Hey, I'm sorry. Nope. Uh, I'm sorry about Kelly. She caused quite a stir. Here's a hundred. <laughs> no one has like revamped their like how hyped they are, like their PR or whatever, like Matthew Stafford has ever since he'd been traded. Didn't hear that he was that good until he got traded. <laughs> I know. Finish up really quick with our last segment of the night, and it's going to be our game of the week. John, I made sure to cut it off so that way we uh, wouldn't be copied. We, we already have the community flag from your little football intro thing. <laughs> uh that is Gardner. Gardner Minshew was a good one. He could have That's bought a great answer. Oh, man. Uh, that was a good one. Yeah. He Chris, pays extra for the stash, too, probably. Chris yeah. is like a triple play member, so uh, I'm not surprised by that one. Uh, all right. So our, our game of the week, Brad, again, did the game this week as well. So he texted me. That means me it's going to be like two minutes. It's, well, it is real quick, but that's that's fine. We want to make sure it's quick so we can get out of here. For, where are they now? So I've got yeah. seven players here. We might shorten it real quick. You're going to tell me where this player is right now, which team they play for. So pretty simple enough. 
Simple enough. All right. We're going to start off with Jacob first. Blaine right. Gabbert. Uh, he's playing for the Bucs. Doc. He's a Buccaneer. John? Yeah, why not? Three Buccaneers. All right. And three points. One for each of you. Nice job. Number two, Jacoby Brissett. And we are starting with Doc. Up oh, and Doc. Well, <laughs> he's, John. He's on the fins, right? The fins. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, he's definitely for the Dolphins. You guys are both two for two. Let's go to number three. We've got Mike Glennon. And we're going to start with you, John. Or no, I'm sorry. You just start. We'll start with Jacob. Oh, shoot. Um, shoot. I don't actually know. I'll just, I'll say the Jaguars. I don't think he's there anymore. John? He just looks like he's on the Bengals. All right. And I will give uh, Doc is a big X. The correct answer is Mike Glennon is on the Giants. Oh, shoot. Darn. All right. So, each of you, Doc, you pretty much are out now. Well, I guess you could hop back in if you want. Wait, don't um, I have two? Have did zero. you? Yeah, no, he has two. He got the first two. Okay, okay. Um, how many? How many did I miss? He just missed one. We got okay, nobody four, got it. Number it sounds four, like a minute. Number four, starting with you, Doc. Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll. Uh, Broncos. John. I was going to say Broncos as well. Jacob. I actually think he's on the Texans. Jacob. A big ding for you. You got it. He is on the Houston Texans. We've got our fifth one, AJ McCarron. And I believe we are starting now with Doc. I'm losing track. I just started. Okay, John. Jets. Jacob. Ah, man. Bills. Doc. Browns. Incorrect all around. It is the Atlanta Falcons. He's the backup for Atlanta. Way to go, AJ. We've got last <laughs> two left, starting with Jacob Blake Bortles. Oh, um, he's on the Green Bay Packers. Packers. Doc? Packers. That is correct all around. Last one. I didn't even I, this is the only one actually I didn't know. Trevor Simeon. Where is he now? Doc. Uh Ravens. John. This is a trick question. He never left. He's still on the Broncos as like a fourth <laughs> stringer. That would be hilarious if that was the case. Jacob. Oh, I don't know. I guess I hope that they're wrong and then that means I win. Uh, I'll say that he's on uh man. Uh Jets. I don't know. He is on the New Orleans Saints. Wow. He's, uh, I guess, their third-string quarterback. quarterback. They drafted Ian Buck, too. They have fourth-string quarterback. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Trevor Simeon. I believe I'm not your mother, so I didn't Okay, so then the him. real answer is he's going to be uh, on, like, the BC Lions in <laughs> a couple weeks. Well, I think the winner of this game is Jacob. So he gets Thanks the crap. Crystal. Crystal, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> he gets the win. He's Crystal. He is 1-0 in the triple play games. There is no three-time winners so far. So he is on his way at 1-0. But uh, that I want to say, Jacob, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It was an absolute blast having you on the show tonight. I love the negativity towards the Raiders. Uh, really loved having you, man. Thanks for like, chiming in for how much the Chiefs are degenerates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I'm a big fan of, you know, the rule of law. 
and I'm not a fan of four, six, nine running backs. So that's, that's where I end up. You know, I, I end up chirping Josh Jacobs and I chirp felons. Um, this was very, very fun. Super happy. You guys invited me on. Uh, I look for pretty much any opportunity to chirp the writers because all they do is take draft picks that I hate, except for Brian Edwards, of course, uh, who I love. Uh, and so I always Ironically, enjoy he'll be the he'll be a better real receiver than he will be a fantasy receiver ever. You don't know that. What if he's <laughs> why, why why? All he has so many predictive metrics for John. Fantasy. We gotta we gotta get out of here because they're super fantasy bros are trying to come on. So oh, all right, uh, all right. but Jacob is you're awesome, man. Can we'll you take this offline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can, can you please make sure you plug all the great work that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So thanks, first of all, for the big introduction, for having me on. You can find me on Twitter, FF underscore RTDB. Uh, you can find me every Tuesday night, like, for instance, in one hour with Shane and Chase for Dynasty Intervention uh, on Join Our Circle underscore. You can find me on Fridays, uh, co-host in the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast with Tom and Billy. That's at Dynasty Tilt. And you can find all of my written work at Player Profiler, uh, at Roto Underworld. Uh, my late, my most recent piece was regarding the running back dead zone and best ball. And I've got to have a new series coming out on some lessons to learn and unlearn for DFS tournament players uh, doing best ball tournaments right now. So a lot of fun stuff happening for the rest of the summer. Thanks so much for having me on. And for those who enjoyed, uh, make sure to tune in, join our circle. We'll be on in just less than an hour with Shane and Chase and David Gautieri to break down the AFC North. Awesome. Again, a great guy. Loved having you on the show. We'll definitely need to have you back because this was an absolute blast. Next week, we're going to be diving into our NFC North to finish out our division previews with Connor Conman of the Dynasty Nerds for what is sure to be a fun show. Until then, everyone, stay safe, go draft a best ball, and we're going to make like a bread truck and haul these buns.